0: Amen. Thank you so much to all our ladies who sang the choir today, uh, Ann Free for playing the organ for us, Susan for directing, uh, Lauren for speaking, all of our ushers, all of our UMW for all the work that they do. Uh, I hope that you did hear as Lauren was speaking and Allison said it again. uh, The goal is to surpass $12,000 in Christmas marketplace this year, all to go to local missions, So as you're inviting your friends to come to Christmas Marketplace, make sure you tell them that all the money raised stays in our community to help people. Just a great thing about that event is that all that money stays and is invested in local missions, and we are grateful for our UMW, for the work that they do, and for this day when we can celebrate their ministry. I also want to express a word of gratitude to everybody who came out last Sunday evening for our September 11th service, especially Uh, our own Jack Wheeler, who was our keynote speaker. I believe it was just an important time to bring our community together, uh, people from across our community, from different faiths, to come together and remember that day 15 years ago. Uh, But it was made possible so much because of all of you who were willing not only to come out Sunday night, uh, but work in advance to make it possible. So thank you for all your hard work for last Sunday evening, an important evening in the life of our community. Finally, before I read our scripture, and I really shouldn't say this out loud, but but I'm going to. During the children's sermon, and I want to say, uh, Carolyn, it was a marvelous children's sermon. What I'm about to say doesn't say anything about the children's sermon, but it says a lot about me. Uh, I'm listening to our children talk about wanting to be uh, a policeman, or a fireman, or a football player, or a race car driver, And the thought that flashed into my mind was this. We're an Indian chief away from having the next generation of the village people. Do you realize that? (laughs) I told you I shouldn't say that out loud. Okay. (laughs) On that note, our scripture this morning is from the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to the book of Philippians. And I said chapter 2 which is incorrect, chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. If you have your Bibles, turn with me there, or as always, it's printed on the cover of your bulletin. Would you please stand as you're able in honor of the reading of God's Word? I want you to know, beloved, that what has happened to me has actually helped to spread the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is for Christ and most of the brothers and sisters having been made confident in the Lord by my imprisonment dared to speak the word with greater boldness and without fear. Some proclaim Christ from envy and rivalry but others from goodwill. These proclaim Christ out of love knowing that I have been put here for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but intending to increase my suffering in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Just this, that Christ is proclaimed in every way, whether out of false motives or true. And in that, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated and let us pray. Now, dear Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Shouldn't have said that, right? Yeah, okay. Okay. Have you ever... Been in a tough time in life? You ever gotten news and thought, oh, this is awful? This is terrible. Circumstances that were just bad news. It's hard to find good. It's hard to find reason to rejoice in that, isn't it? I ask the question because we're looking at this New Testament book of Philippians. Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. And in Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, he tells us to rejoice. The theme of the series is always rejoicing. We're talking about it in Bible study on Wednesday night and in sermons on Sunday morning. Paul says we should always be rejoicing. We should rejoice, find joy in all things. Now when things are going well, that's easy. But when things are going not well, it's much harder. When you get bad news, sometimes do you ever ask, how can I rejoice in bad news? That's what I want us to talk about this morning is how we find joy in the challenges and difficult times of life. Because scripture tells us to do just that. Now, it's not hard to find bad news. Right, you can find bad news everywhere. I read this morning, early this morning, that there was a stabbing, multiple injuries and stabbings in a mall in Minnesota. Uh, A bomb went off in New York. Just check the news in the morning. It's easy to find things that make you just scratch your head and say why. Maybe it's not in the news. Maybe it's just something you're experiencing in life. We all have challenges in life, things that don't go as we want them to go, things that don't go as we anticipated, things that don't go as planned. I was talking about one of those for me recently. Some of you know I, I do some work with some people who are trying to be ordained as Methodist pastors for our annual conference. I do some work with some people trying to be, become Methodist preachers. Uh, it's a long process you need a four-year undergraduate degree, a three-year seminary degree, years of process being interviewed by various committees and different people, writing responses to questions of theology, having to preach for people and do Bible studies for people and be uh, gauged on your fitness for ministry. There's a lot involved. And at the end of that entire process, you invest years. And at the end of the process... You're told by a group of people, yes or no. Yes, you'll be ordained and be a Methodist pastor. Or no, you will not. Actually, there's a third option. Sometimes we say, not now. People come filled with hopes and dreams. They have done all the work, and they're hoping that they'll be told yes, but instead they hear, not now. And when you're expecting a yes... Not no, not now sounds a lot like no. You ever notice that? We call it being deferred. You are not denied, but you are deferred. You have to wait and come back. I tell you all that because I was in this conversation with this young man who had been deferred, and he was crestfallen. He was so upset. He was so counting on a yes, hoping, praying for a yes, but instead he was deferred. He heard, not now. And he was kind of crying on my shoulder, and I said, listen, I understand. And he said to me, oh, no, you don't. I said, I believe I do. He said, if you've not been through this, there's no way you could understand. I said, fair enough, but I've been through this. Years ago, I was deferred in the process. It was an odd set of circumstances. There was really a miscommunication among people over my head, but I was deferred. I was starting seminary, and I got a phone call from a district superintendent that said, I have a church I'd like to place you in if if you're willing to serve there. Well, I was so excited. I said, of course I'm willing to serve there. He said, well, there's no place for you to live. The church doesn't have a parsonage. It's about 40 minutes north of Emory. Are you willing to commute back and forth? I said, absolutely. You give me a church to go to, I'll do whatever it takes. So I thought nothing of it. I went to school during the week, traveled back and forth, uh, and preached in this little church, 40 miles, 45 miles north of Emory. Well, and that worked fine until I went hoping to hear a yes. And what I heard was, not now. I said, why not? What, what's the matter? And they said, well, you don't live in the community where you're serving. I said, I'm aware of that. They have no place for me to live. As a matter of fact, my district superintendent said to me, commute. So that's what I'm doing. I'm glad I could clear this up for you. You can ordain me now. And they said, no, it doesn't work that way. We want you to live in the community. And I said, well, this is, was really all out of my control. I mean, I'm being punished for something that was out of my control. Uh, But yet they said, not now. I was just crushed. I was counting on this. You know, this is my future we're talking about. And I went home and I'm praying and I'm crying out to God, God, you cannot let this happen. Now, I I was young. You have to remember how young I was. I'm like, Lord, you know how smart I am? You know how talented I am? Lord, you know, they they should be coming saying, please let us ordain you. So Lord, straighten them out. And I'll wait on the phone to ring. You know, you actually had to wait by the phone back in the day, right? You couldn't actually like. uh I'll wait by the phone for them to call me and tell me they've made a terrible mistake and they're going to fix it. And so I waited. And I waited. I would wait a year because I'd been deferred for a year. It's hard to find joy when you say, I feel like this is what God has called me to do. But you're telling me not now. You ever had a situation in life when you just had your heart set on something and you, you just knew it, but it went another way? Things didn't unfold as you thought. How do you find joy when things aren't going as planned? Well, we look to the Apostle Paul to answer that question for us. We started last week studying the book of Philippians, Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. We spent a lot of time with some introductory material last week. If you weren't here, take some time when you get home and read the 16th chapter of the book of Acts. The 16th chapter of the book of Acts tells you a little bit about Paul's ministry in Philippi. We read last week, the first 11 verses, about one of the ways that Paul found joy. Every week we're finding different ways that Paul found joy. Last week, we read that Paul could find joy Because the Philippians were his partners in the gospel. Paul knew he was not in this alone, but these people shared in the work of Christ with him. And he said, because of that, I can rejoice. Well, this morning, we look at another reason that Paul was able to find joy. Even in difficult circumstance. And make no mistake, Paul was in difficult circumstance. He writes this letter from prison. I mentioned last week that in Philippi he was arrested and thrown in prison. Paul spent, his, was, spent a little time in more than one jail. Here, ten years after he'd been to Philippi, he's actually in prison in Rome. When they talk about the imperial guard, that's the Roman guard. So he's in prison in Rome. Now remember who Paul was, a traveling missionary. His call was to go out and travel the world and take the gospel. His call was to travel the world and take the gospel. But he's in prison. It's a little hard to travel the world when you're an inmate. Try it sometime. Actually, don't try it sometime. That's going to involve a lot of stuff you don't want to do. But imagine, that's Paul's call to be a traveling missionary, but he's being held captive. And that's not all. There are people outside that are trying to make things even worse on him than they already are. Did you hear what it said? Verse 15, he's talking about how the gospel is being proclaimed. And he said, some people proclaim Christ from envy and rivalry. So these aren't people that are trying to serve Christ. These aren't people that are called to preach. These are people that are envious of Paul, that want to hurt Paul. So that's their motivation for preaching. He goes on and he says... They proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but intending to increase my suffering in my imprisonment. Paul says, these people are preaching to make my life harder, to increase my suffering. Paul knew what it was like to face difficult circumstance. He's in jail, and he's got people that are free doing that, which he has been called to do, just to make him feel worse. And yet, Paul can find joy. You hear what he said in verse 18? What does it matter? Just this Christ is proclaimed in every way, whether out of false motives or pure. And in this, I rejoice. And I will continue to rejoice. These people weren't trying to help, they were trying to hurt. But Paul knew that God was using that. Paul knew that God was bringing good out of bad circumstances. God's not causing bad circumstances. But as Paul encountered challenging circumstances, he had faith that God could bring about good. And because of that, he could rejoice. Paul trusted that God was working good, even in the bad. And therefore, he could rejoice. You can see that really all through scripture if you look for it. There's a great story in the book of Genesis about Joseph. You remember the story of Joseph? The story of Joseph is found in the book of Genesis, starting with, verse, with chapter 37 all the way through chapter 50. Verse, chapters 37 through 50 tell you the story of Joseph. Let me read that for you. Actually, that would take a long time, so I won't do that. But just a quick reminder. Joseph was one of 12 sons of Jacob. This is the Jacob whose name would be changed to Israel. Joseph was one of 12 sons of Jacob. Now, he was his daddy's favorite. That's not going to go over real well with the brothers. But in addition to that, Joseph started having dreams that his brothers had to bow down to him. Now, if you want to get beat up, tell your older brothers that you're having dreams that one day they're going to bow down to you. Joseph did that. I don't know if they got beat up or not, but they did... Sell him into slavery. They get rid of him. They told their dad that he had died. And that started this roller coaster life for Joseph. He was sold into slavery. That's bad. But he did well and was given responsibility. That was good. But then he was falsely accused of something and thrown into jail. That was bad. But then he did a favor for someone who was being released and promised to help him out. That was good. Well, then that guy promptly forgot about Joseph. That was bad. But after some years went by, he remembered and had Joseph released. And that was good. And Joseph interpreted some dreams for Pharaoh who ruled over all of Egypt. And Pharaoh was so impressed, he made Joseph the second most powerful man in Egypt. Anybody who wanted anything had to come to Joseph. Well, eventually, guess who wanted food? His brothers. So they came to Egypt and came before Joseph, not realizing this was their brother. They thought he was long gone and had been a long time. They didn't realize, (coughs) excuse me, they didn't realize this was Joseph. And after some time, Joseph revealed himself to his brothers and brought the brothers and his father to Egypt to live where he could look out for them. More years passed and Jacob died. And the brothers began to be afraid because Joseph still had the power of life or death over them. Like what if he decides now that dad's gone to seek revenge? So they go into Joseph and they say, listen, dad's last wish was that we all get along. We are all going to get along, right? And Joseph answers in chapter 50. And he says this, do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Even though you intended to do harm to me. God intended it for good in order to preserve a numerous people as he is doing today. So have no fear. I myself will provide for you and for your little ones. Joseph said, even though you intended this for harm, God intended it for good. Even though the circumstances seemed bad, God could work good. Joseph had the benefit of hindsight. Sometimes, with the benefit of hindsight, we can see that God brought good out of things that we thought were bad, right? I'm sure that has happened with you. <coughs> Excuse me. I was deferred because I was not living in the community where I was serving. So I got moved to a new church where I could, they had a place for me to live. I could live in the community. It was in Fort Oglethorpe, Georgia, just this side of Chattanooga, Tennessee. You drive up I-75, the next to the last exit in the state of Georgia is Fort Oglethorpe. It's just past the exit for Ringgold, Georgia. Ringgold actually sits right on the interstate. Uh, so there's the exit for Ringgold, then the next exit is Fort Oglethorpe, but you got to go west a little ways. So in June of 1998, because of something bad that happened to me, I got moved to Fort Oglethorpe, Georgia. What I didn't know was that two months later, In August, the Methodist church in Ringgold would hire a young woman fresh out of college from North Carolina to come down and work with their choir and their youth program. I didn't know that in August when she was hired. I would find out in September when we met. A year after we met, we were engaged. A few months after that, we were married. I went to Fort Oglethorpe. Because I'd been deferred. Crushing news for me. But God had me in Fort Oglethorpe when Susan moved to Ringgold. And that's where we met. And that's where we fell in love. And that's where we got engaged. And that's where we got married. Had I not been deferred, think of all that would have changed. Had I not been deferred, think of how life would have been different. Had I not been deferred, think of all of the blessings Susan would have missed out on. But God had a plan. God had, even though it seemed crushing to me in the moment, God brought such good. God brought such good. I can see that in hindsight. Joseph could see that in hindsight. You know what's interesting about Paul? Paul doesn't need hindsight. Paul sees it in the moment. You catch that? As he is in prison as people are trying to do him harm, even there, even in the moment, Paul still says, it's okay. I can still rejoice, and I will continue to rejoice. Maybe Paul was remembering what had happened to Joseph and said, well, you know, maybe God has a plan here. Maybe he was thinking to one of the countless other stories in Scriptures. Or maybe, maybe he's thinking about one particular story story of another young man who came from Israel that was falsely accused, that was imprisoned and ultimately made to carry his own cross to Calvary where he would be crucified until he was dead. And you say, how can God bring good out of a death? Because our God can bring bad from good. Our God can bring joy from pain. Our God can bring life from death. Paul knew sitting in prison, that's nothing for God. People trying to do harm to him, that was nothing for God. Paul knew God could bring joy from pain, life from death. So even sitting in a Roman prison cell, Paul could still rejoice. You can see it all the way through Scripture. God always can, and God always does. And it worked for Paul, and it works for you, and it works for me. So do this for me. The next time you're in the midst of a difficult time of life, think about a couple of things. First of all, think back in your life, because there's a time in your life like there's a time in my life, when I can look back and, in hindsight, say, it looked awful in the moment, but God had such a greater plan than I did. Remember that. Let that increase your faith to face challenges in the future. But also, think about all those stories in Scripture where things looked bad, but God had a plan. It was true for Joseph, and it was true for Paul. It was true for David in dark times in David's life, and in Moses, when Moses was running away. It was true for Daniel in the lion's den, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Time after time after time, when things looked bad, God can bring joy from pain and life from death. Let that increase your faith to know that no matter how it seems in the moment, our perspective is so limited. God can see all. Let that increase your faith. It worked for Paul. He was able to rejoice in the most challenging of circumstance. God will do that for you God will do that for me, and that's a reason for joy. Let us pray. Gracious God, we want to be people of joy in the good and the bad. We want to be people of joy so people can see the joy of Christ radiating from us. We want to be people of joy so that we might draw people into a relationship with you. Lord, we want to be people of joy. So give us the faith in the good times and the bad to rejoice and again to rejoice. In Jesus' name, amen.